Hey there, I'm Christopher Dorabek, the Dorabek Insider, and welcome to GovLoop's Dorabek Insider, where we focus on six words helping government do its job better. Today, the opening discussion for the Dorabek Insider Book Club. If you follow me, well, just about anywhere, GovLoop, Twitter, Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, any place, uh, you've probably seen the announcement that the Dorabek Insider Book Club is coming back in a big way. For those of you who haven't participated with us before, the Dorabek Insider Book Club, well, it's a little bit like the Oprah Book Club. You remember that, right? Oprah gets people to read uh, really good books and then talks about them with the author and other folks, and it's, it's a really great, great way of fostering literature and thinking about other things. Well, we do a similar thing, except our books are a little bit more wonky, and we focus on my favorite six words, helping government do its job better. So step one is to introduce you to the book, and it's by uh, Bill Edgars, sorry, William D. Edgars. Uh, who's on the phone with us. Uh, thank you, uh, Bill. His new book, which has only been out a couple weeks, it's titled Delivering on Digital, the Innovators and Technologies that will, Are Transforming Government. We're going to talk to Bill in just a moment. If you don't know Bill, well, uh, you're going to get to know him, and you should know him. Bill is really one of the thought leaders in our world. Well, he's a thought leader in any world, but particularly in our space, he's really one of the thought leaders. Author of nine books now, but he also uh, has a uh, title of Director of Public Sector Research for Deloitte. Before I bring Bill in to talk about his book, let me explain about how the book club works. First step, it was easy. I told you what the book is. Uh, mark your calendar, September 28th. It's a Wednesday, 2 o'clock Eastern, 11 out there in the West. Uh, Bill will be back, and I'm busy getting other thinkers. In fact, I'll tell you, one of them is the uh, head of Code for America, Jen, Jen Palka. She's going to join us. We'll have other people, and we're going to have a conversation about some of the concepts raised in this book. And when you register, and registration is free, by the way, um, it will, it'll be easy to find a link, and we'll and jo just join us on that day. And you can submit questions, comments, insights, challenges that you're having. Um, one last bit before I bring in Bill. Uh, he's been very patient. Uh, I'm reading the book right along with you, so uh, we can read it together. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to be posting my thoughts on GovLoop's Dorabek Insider as I read the book. And, of course, you can comment on those posts or post your own, of course. And uh, so there's so many ways for you, for you to participate, and we hope you'll join us. And, and we'll really th there's a, a great concepts brought up in this book, and it's why I'm thrilled, thrilled that we get to do this. Uh, so I've talked about him a, a lot as if he wasn't right there, but let me invite him to speak. As I mentioned, the author of Delivering on Digital, William D. Edgars, I call him Bill, but uh, there you go. Uh, Bill, thanks, thanks for doing this. Um, how are you, by the way? Oh, I'm doing great today. Looking, looking forward to the July 4th weekend. Yes, it's very exciting. Um, so, so this book, Delivering on Digital, let me start off with just, why did you decide to write this book? You've written nine now. Why, why, do you, why this concept? What, what particularly intrigued you about digital? Well, a few things. I mean, first of all, I think no single factor is going to alter citizens' experience with government any more than the pure power of digital technologies. I mean, we're in the midst of this historic transformation, governments, private sector, as they abandon analog operating models in favor of their digital counterparts. And I wanted to write about what that would mean for government as we're seeing this incredible changes uh, all the time. And, you know, what is what's happening with Amazon, Google, Uber, Facebook, Netflix, and all the rest? How does that translate itself into radically different um, interfaces uh, with government? Secondly, I wrote another book called If We Can Put Man on the Moon, Getting Big Things Done in Government. And that was about how do you execute big, how do you execute government initiatives? How do you avoid failure? Why do some succeed in one? Why do some fail? And what I, after healthcare.gov, I wanted to look at the fact, well, is actually succeeding in digital different 
than traditional government programs? Does it take a different set of skills? Does it take different project management? Um, do we need to kind of have a, a whole different guidebook for, for doing digital than we might have had for traditional government programs? And lastly, I wrote another book uh, over a decade ago called Gov 2.0 which looked at all the possibilities of a tra technology that it was, could enable uh, during the dot-com era. And I wanted to look back at why did a lot of that fail to materialize? Why did the eGov era fail to live up to its promise? And why today might be different than that? And how the landscape is different than it is back then. And the, and, book, and the book starts off talking about what you call the digital mindset. Is it a different mindset? Do we need to, well, in fact, one of my, is from the, uh, uh, from the, uh, I guess, the back of your book. What do you call that part? The, the stuff you write on the back. Um, uh, how do you take a government built on an analog industrial era framework and redesign it to be a fully digital state? We have to imagine a new kind of government. And, and that, the digital mindset, is it a different mindset that we have to have? Well, I, absolutely. I, I mean, it's, it's a different way of thinking about customers, a different way of launching products and services, a different way of working, you know, in, in many respects, it's more akin to the Silicon Valley mindset than the attitudes of typical, you know, people in any large organizations. And um, it's increasingly shared by this cadre of new digital leaders, you know, whether it's the 18F and U.S. digital service uh, folks in, in Washington to the U.K. and the government digital services, but even, you know, leaders uh, in Tallinn and Estonia and Seoul, and they have certain characteristics. It's It's about a belief in openness, user centricity, co-creation, simplicity, and agility. And I actually believe that in many respects, the digital worldview is as important to the future of government as the labels conservative or liberal were to its past. Right. Well, and one of the things, that, and, and that's the section I'm, I've been spent reading is the, this mindset part, but it also seems to have a um, and, and you mentioned Silicon Valley, there's an era of forgiveness of failure. In fact, even embracing failure that we just don't have in the government space right now. Well, and I think it's all how you describe. So what, what we have in government uh, today and what we've had for many decades is that we end up with very large failures. Um, we end up with $500 million, billion dollar um, IT projects that fail to deliver any value. And I studied a lot of those in, in, in a previous book. And what the digital mindset is about is avoiding those failures by essentially having a very iterative, agile process where you're very, very close to the user. And so you're testing at every stage. And so basically, I wouldn't, I would say it's learning. It's government as a learning mechanism. And a lot of, you know, small failures is part of a learning process. And so by essentially applying this sort of a model, I think governments can avoid those sort of, you know, monumental multi-hundred million dollar failures that we've seen so much of with IT projects in the past. In the book, you talk, a, a, a big chunk of the start talks about uh, healthcare.gov, of course, which was such a uh, very visible black eye uh, for this administration in terms of technology and an administration which has seen itself as, as a pretty technological, uh, techno-friendly techno uh, uh, organization. Um, I, and, and a lot of people see that as the creation of uh, U.S. Uh, uh, Digital services in the White House and 18F. Is that do are those the kinds of things you're talking about, or is it even beyond that? 
I, 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 you know, first of all, I think the disastrous launch of healthcare.gov might just be the best thing that ever happened to digital government in the United States. I mean, it was the wake up call of all wake up calls. And so the shock to the system triggered a whole array of much needed changes that both of us know were, have been needed for a long time, but never rose to that level uh, of politically where a president was going to invest political capital in them. And so you, you have the creation of uh, U.S. Digital Service, and and they, they really ramped up in terms of when they're doing ATF. But more than that, they started looking at hiring rules that allow agencies to get more to speed and discretion and technology staffing. They looked at IT procurement reform as a top management priority. The presence of the United States talked about IT procurement reform, right, in, in a speech. That was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and then you also had this unprecedented kind of focus on the end user. Um, and citizens who are viewed mostly as customers um, now became active partners in designing more effective government. So I think this, it's, you saw a lot of these changes spread very, very quickly. And we saw in some areas more progress made in two years than we'd seen made in the, in the previous six years. The book goes through a bunch of different areas, uh, what you, a whole section you call hacking bureaucracy, and it uh, looks at hiring and training, uh, um, design and execution, um, uh, procurement. Um, and these are areas where we've heard a lot of people talking about changes, but we all know the government HR system is, what, 65 years old, which means that it was design. it was actually came up with 75 years ago. Kind of, they came up with the concepts of it 75 years. And, you know, what else are we using that's 75 years old, for goodness sakes? Um, and yet it's so difficult to to make any changes these days. Is Can we get to this place where in, in the kind of environment that we were in these days? The reason why I called it hacking bureaucracy um, rather than transformation and things like that was because, you know, the, the notion of, of hacking is really all about like making those a lot of small improvements and making them quickly and iterating and 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 fixing things that need to be need need to be fixed. And so what you, what we've seen over the last few years in this country and many others is innovators out there who are saying we're going to maybe we can't change the entire system, but we're going to within our area we're going to get. The, the time it takes to hire someone down from nine months to six weeks. We're going to um, actually try doing contracting in a different way within the existing rules. We're going to recruit in a different way using innovative methods and try to show the way towards a new reality, you know, show a new destination that we can get to, uh, which I think is really, really important because it's very easy for us to say, you know, we can't do anything with the personnel system that's, as you said, 60 years old and based on an era when most people in government were simply clerks. Right. Uh, it makes, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy, but I think the more we can see these sort of positive changes and people actually able to do this, then that gives more impetus for some of the, the bigger transformational organizational structural changes that absolutely do need to occur. 
is uh, and and you again you have a chapter that's called uh, uh, that focuses on busting through silos and it and it feels like in the certainly this administration and even into the the last administration that started to happen no longer are problems you have DOD and VA working on the vet problem and figuring out healthcare records together you're starting to see a lot of these folks agencies come together to solve problems rather than just saying hey this is my space and I, I run in this world uh, no one else comes in here. You're, yes, you, you are definitely starting to see more, I would call them whole of government solutions. And, and certainly OMB has been promoting a lot more of these sort of um, looking at these problems that require multiple agencies uh, organizing. But there's still a, a lot of issues, of course, with the silos, as, as we all know. And what horizontal government was about was, was really looking at how do you tackle those? Because those are some of the toughest issues. To get to a truly citizen-centric government and a, and a, and a government that is, has less friction for business, you, you have to tackle the horizontal silos. One right. example being, in, uh, I've been looking at New Zealand recently, and there's something, something called the Better for Business program. They're one of the best countries in the world to do business in, yet the business community kept on saying one of their biggest barriers is simply that they're filling in all the same information, they're dealing with all these agencies for various transactions. So the government came in and said, we're going to join up uh, around these agencies. We're going to give each business a single uh, digital identity, a number that they can use, and we're going to look at all the pain points that occur across these government agencies, and we're going to systematically go about fixing those and easing those. And I think we need to do a lot more of that to really get to the promise of digital government. Um, you also touch on kind of the dark side of this, which is uh, the whole cybersecurity. And, and of course, feds are, are keenly aware of the dark side, right? With the OPM hack, uh, they're, they're very, very aware of the challenges that go on here too. How do we deal with that world? Because it, it's, it feels very scary to a lot of people. Well, I mean, I think first of all, on the cybersecurity front, it, 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 what is our actual, how are we going to attack the problem and how do we look at it through lens? The, the old model of that we're going to just build a, you know, this wall, impenetrable, um, great wall of China or marginal line sort of thing, that, that doesn't work because people end up opening the doors, uh, you know, willingly or, or, or by accident and people can get over them. And so I think if we have to approach it more like a chess match and, and that's really understanding who the enemy is, what their, why they would want to come in. It's different for different agencies and, and really understanding them doing a lot of the things that we do in other areas, which is customer segmentation and a lot of things to understand. That means going out, doing cyber reconnaissance and understanding what's going on in the dark web ahead of time and how those could impact you. It means doing collective intelligence because if, if every federal agency knew in real time the intrusions from other agencies and patterns across it, much, much easier uh, to, to deal with that. You know, and then there's a lot of this basic stuff that, that needs to happen, which is just a lot more education for individual employees about, about how to avoid, you know, what, what phishing and so forth. The OPM is a good, a good model because, you know, again, that was, it was so catastrophic what happened there. But since that happened, they've really locked down the doors pretty well because every employee, you can imagine just how scared to death they are of right. that sort of thing happening again. And so sometimes, you know, crisis does equal opportunity. And I think even looking at some of the things that OPM has put in place uh, 
since that intrusion can be very helpful for other federal agencies. So I think the place that a lot of feds, and I know you deal with this a little bit in your closing chapter where you talk about sort of government reimagined, um, but a lot of people see see the kind of strife that goes on at the higher levels of government, uh, um, you know, the, the complete disagreements between Congress and the White House, regardless of who's in party, it seems. Um, and, and say, okay, how do, how, do we, how do we bring about the concepts that you're talking about in a world where we can't agree on, on anything? Well, you know, that's the, I think the beauty of a lot of the, where we're going with digital and the reimagining is a lot of it is, is very much nonpartisan, really. It's about, it's about good government, as you, it's about serving citizens better. It's about easing burdens on, on business. And those are very bipartisan, nonpartisan sort of themes that I think anyone can get behind. And, you know, the more we can focus on on that and the transformations that are possible there, then I think you could build, you know, it's hard in today's world, but you can build certainly more, I think, bipartisan support for some of that than than some of these deeply ideological areas. And that's that's what I talk about in the book and that there's where we are moving into a, the world is changing so incredibly fast right now and we can't afford to have a government that's a decade behind the private sector in terms of technology and i think you know citizens are, are we are changing what our demand is we're used to basically a world where almost anything is available on demand and and government a government that is still operating in kind of a, a paper sort of a world where we're going to wait weeks and weeks i, I think most individuals just that that's going to reduce trust in government. Right. It's going to reduce trust in government officials. So that that's my hope is that we can get a lot of bipartisan consensus around where we need to go in this area. Yeah, well, my my case in point was I was I was getting a passport for my five year old son, um, and I kept trying to call and and just no one answered the phone. The phone would just ring and ring and ring and ring, and that kind of stuff just makes makes you. Want, if I had hair, I'd pull it out. Um, and 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 it's that kind of like hold on, why can't I go online and schedule the appointment? And you know, it it needs those kinds of things. I think drive people crazy, and it just. Prolifer- proliferates in how they view so many other aspects of government, right? Oh, absolutely. And what we know is that, you know, as you lose trust in, in, in government in, in many respects, uh, you know, there's all sorts of other societal implications for that. So a lot of my work over time is how do we regain that trust that government can do these basic things? And in today's world, doing the basic things means being very, very competent from a digital standpoint. And also, Digital is really about taking all the massive complexity of government, right, and simplifying it. I mean, the beauty of some of the best digital products today and, and companies is the simplicity of use, right? So what is, the, what is the Uber for government? What's the Amazon for government, the Yelp and so forth? And that's what I think some of these uh, digital innovators who have profile in the book are, are really trying to get to. And uh, and the great thing is we have some of them like Jen Palka who's come up with, who with Code for America they've come up with a different way of helping government. Uh, um, uh, David Bray over at FCC who's managed to get a lot of very interesting things done in very unique ways and and has been very much seen as a leader in this space and, and they're they're figuring it out. so it'll be a great conversation. Uh, let me ask you one last question before I let you go. Uh, people, we're asking people, I'm asking people to read this book. Give them kind of, what do you hope they think about as they're reading? What should they be thinking about? Give them, give them a mindset uh, as to what can help them as they read it that will help them do their jobs better. 
Well, one of the things I'd love them to be thinking about is as they're reading it, saying, how can they, how can they apply that in their agencies, in their organizations, whether a lot, how building digital capacity and reduce it and being able to hire in people more quickly with, with the digital skills or being able to, how do you get in your entire workforce more digitally savvy and basically saying, oh, how can I apply that? What lessons can we learn? What can I bring in today and tomorrow? Secondly, it's, it's hoping that people can use the book and a lot of that to kind of reimagine some of their current practices and processes and say, you know what, we're, we're doing it this way today, but in a digital world, that, that really doesn't make sense at all. And we could do it much more efficiently, but in a much more user-friendly way, doing it in a very different way. I'm hoping it inspires a lot of those kinds of ideas. And, you know, lastly, I, I would just say that the books really focuses a lot on these innovators. Uh, like David Bray and Mike Bracken and Greg Godbout and Jen Palka and, and many others. And I hope it gives people hope and inspiration for just what an incredible impact you can have in government with, with the right ideas and with pushing these things in, the, in that right way. Because we need more people like them to get to the, the state of digital maturity that I think government needs to get to over the next five years. Bill Eggers, William D. Eggers. He is the Director of Public Sector Research at Deloitte. His book is Delivering on Digital, the Innovators and Technologies that are Transforming Government. And we will be talking about this book with Bill and with, uh, uh, and with a bunch of thought leaders. So we hope you'll join us on the 28th of September. Uh, the link will be all over the place. You can find it. I know you guys are good. So you'll be able to find it and, and come join us on the 28th. Bill, thanks so much for writing this book and for, and for doing this and for joining this conversation. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris.